What was Timothy going to do? That was an important question when Paul wrote the letter that we call 2 Timothy, the letter that provides us with our sermon focus for today. Paul was writing from prison. That was not really something new. He had written letters from prison before. But at some of those points in the past, his prison writing was really more like he was under house arrest. He had people coming and going, seeing him with some frequency. He wasn't terribly concerned about what might happen to him next. But things had changed by the time of the writing of 2 Timothy. Paul was in chains. He had an expectation that he wouldn't be in chains all that much longer, but that wasn't because he expected the Romans to release him. He had an expectation that that very letter that we call 2 Timothy was going to be the last that he would write. What was Timothy going to do? What would he do without his mentor and his friend and his teacher and his helper and his encourager, Christ's apostle, Paul? What would he do when he faced false teachings and false teachers and other challenges? What would he do when he faced his own temptations and hardships? And as important as that question was, it's a question that was answered many centuries ago. The reason we're even thinking about it now is that it helps us to answer another important question. And that question is, what are we going to do? What are we going to do as a church? What are we going to do as individuals as we carry out our lives and our callings? Paul had an answer for Timothy, and the same answer applies to us as well. Using a word that has provided our theme for this Sunday, we could sum up the answer to these ever-important questions by saying this, our agenda is the Word of God. Now, the Word of God is clearly a significant focus in this section of Scripture. The very first exhortation here, late in the last letter Paul would ever write to his true child in the faith, Timothy, was continue in these things. Continue in these things that you have learned. In fact, Paul explains that Timothy had known the Holy Scriptures since infancy. What an incredible blessing. Timothy's mother and his grandmother, we're told in other places, had been shining examples for Christian mothers and Christian grandmothers to come. They made it a point to instruct and teach Timothy from the Holy Scriptures, from the very start in the Word of God. So Timothy could look back on his entire life and never find a time when he wasn't aware of God and God's Word. That teaching, that instruction had laid a firm foundation for his entire life. 
maybe that's the case for you too. As I think about this, I I wonder how many babies have been brought to this baptismal font that stands in the front of Grace Lutheran Church. And I don't know the answer, but I know that many, many babies were brought because mom and dad and grandma and grandpa wanted to raise that child in the knowledge of God's Word. In other words, that baptism would have been followed up by instruction at church and in the home. And I understand that's not the story for everybody that gathers here at Grace, but it is for many. But even in that, there's a temptation, isn't there? There's a temptation for us to to move on to something else else. We do that in all sorts of aspects of our lives. We, we grow older and hopefully we grow wiser and that means that we, we put away things from our childhood and we move beyond them. We study different things in high school or in college than we did in kindergarten. I've yet to meet a college student whose major is rhyming words or single-digit edition. And we could all be tempted to think that the Bible stories that we learned in Sunday school are not worthy of our consideration now. We could think that, yes, Jesus was an important part of our life at some point before, but now it's time for a new adventure or a new outlook. What about Timothy? Maybe he was looking for what are the next steps for building a church? Or maybe he wanted to find the self-help book for a man who's losing his mentor. But Paul didn't point Timothy to a self-help book. He pointed him to a book about God's help. He didn't point Timothy to anything new or different. His his critical encouragement for Timothy was this, continue in what you have learned. Continue in the Holy Scriptures. Continue in what you have been brought up in since the very start. And here's the reason why, because Scripture is God-breathed. When we say it's God's Word, we don't mean that it's something somebody thinks about God or something that somebody once thought about God. We mean that God determined the very words that He wanted written down for the sake of His people. He breathed those words into the hearts of men He had chosen, men like the Apostle Paul himself. Paul followed in in a long tradition of prophets who did not say what they wanted to say, but who said what God wanted them to say. And all of the men whom God chose to write His Holy Scriptures, they had the Holy Spirit leading and guiding every step of the entire process so that every single word of Scripture 
comes to us from the very heart, the very breath of God. Is there any surprise then that it's useful for us? Of course not. It's useful in every possible way. It teaches us. It rebukes us. It corrects us. It trains us so that we can live lives that are more and more righteous. For many of us, it has done so as far back as our memories can stretch. For others, maybe we can think of, maybe we know a particular time when God's Word became a part of our lives or when it became an important part of our lives. It's not that specific situation that matters. Whatever situation is ours, the Word of God breathed out by Him, serves its greatest purpose in our lives by calling us to salvation. The, the most significant purpose of God's Word is exactly that. Paul writes, it is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. As much as Paul wanted to prepare others for his impending death, including the many churches that he had started on his missionary journeys. Paul knew that he didn't have to worry about death. He had salvation ahead of him. His approaching death, sure, it would be sad for those he left behind, no doubt for Timothy, but for Paul... It would be the most blessed beginning of an eternity with his Savior. And so that's the thing that he most wanted to share with everyone else, salvation. God's Word is so vital in our lives because from infancy, we were God's enemies. We were born already steeped in disobedience and rejection of God. We were, we were born already traveling down a path that could only lead away from God and could only lead to hell. But God, through His Word and sacraments, snatched us off that path. He saved us. He put us on a new path. He's given us wisdom for salvation. He's given us faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the power of the God-breathed Holy Scriptures. That's what makes them useful for everything in this life and in the next life because anything less than that is going to fall short of what we truly need. So continue in the Holy Scriptures. But you know, our own sinfulness is not the only challenge we face. Timothy's own sinfulness was not his only challenge either. Paul speaks in our section of Scripture about a time when people will line up to hear things that scratch their itchy ears. What an interesting picture, isn't it? When something itches, you know this. It's going to bother you until you scratch it. 
You can ignore it for a little while. You can power through it, but it's just going to get worse. And it's only going to stop when you scratch it. Itchy ears are like that too. They're going to hear what they want to hear because they're going to keep looking for it somewhere else until they find it. So what do itchy ears want to hear? Well, there are many supposedly Christian churches that have drawn large crowds by telling people that Jesus will make them rich. Jesus will give them success in their jobs and careers. People hear that they can have their best life, they can have it now, and all it takes is faith. But that's not what the Bible says. It's just something that itchy ears like to hear. Other ears maybe don't itch for anything in particular. They just want something new, something different, something that they find exciting. They don't want to hear what they already know. And many ears itch to hear a message that, well, lines up with something else in their lives, like their political convictions or their understanding of science. What do your ears itch for? Thankfully, God changes us in a way that makes our ears, which could so easily itch for sinful things or uncertain things and ultimately unimportant things, He makes them into ears that itch to hear about His love and His salvation. There is something the same about the message that we hear at church week after week after week. And that's a good thing because it's the same Savior. It's about the same salvation. And it should, that message should remind us that we are the same naturally sinful people who always need that Savior. Of course, there's a temptation for us as a church, too, isn't there? Temptation says that if we would just say the things that people want to hear, well, we could fill this church every Sunday morning and we could fill the church's treasury on top of that. We could make things more interesting and more exciting when we gather. We could make everything that we do about a a popularity contest where our own preferences determine what we do and say and sing and how we sing and say and do it. But our agenda is the Word of God. What we're going to do is what God tells us to do. What we're going to say is what God says says. We're going to correct. We're going to rebuke when it's needed. We're going to do what Jesus directs us to do, knowing that he's going to come back as a righteous judge over all people. That reminds us that we should focus on his kingdom. We've been using the term agenda throughout our service and even in our sermon this morning. 
The word is used in a variety of contexts and ways, and some of those are pretty specific contexts. We, we might wonder about a politician, whether they have a hidden agenda. There's something behind their actions that they're not totally upfront about. We use an agenda in our meetings, like a ministry board meeting or a voters meeting. That's a, that's a written plan that lays out how the meeting is going to run. What are the topics that we are going to discuss? Or maybe we use a personal agenda, a, a planner in which we can write our appointments for our days and our weeks, something to help us keep track of them. An agenda can be a positive thing or it can be a negative thing. When it comes from God, it's a positive thing. An agenda is a plan, a purpose. Our agenda sets our plan and defines our purpose. As Christians, our agenda does come from God, and His plan, His purpose for us are revealed in His Word. We're not all called to be pastors or teachers, but we share an agenda with a pastor like Timothy, even as we carry it out in different ways. Our agenda is the Word of God. The plan and the purpose for our lives is to know God's Word and to live according to God's Word and to share God's Word. May God grant that we all share that agenda according to His grace. Amen.